الجزيرة بودكاست Ministers from all EU states are working on how to deal with tens of thousands of people seeking a better life in the bloc. But finding a consensus among all 27 members won't be easy. And can they reach a balance that works for those making the often hazardous journey to Europe? I'm Imran Khan, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. For more on this, I'm joined by our guest in Sarajevo, Ugochi Daniels, Deputy Director General for Operations at the International Organization for Migration. In Rome, Ferdinando Nelli Farucci, President of the International Affairs Institute, a non-profit think tank based in Italy. And also in Brussels, Leila Boudou, Senior Policy and Advocacy Officer for Caritas Europa, a confederation of 49 Catholic relief organizations operating across Europe. A warm welcome to you all. I'd like to begin in Sarajevo uh, with Ugachi Daniels. In many ways, in fact, probably all the ways, uh, the IOM is the frontline agency when it comes to migration globally. Now, the 27 member states are trying to come up with a strategy, but that's going to be incredibly difficult to make everybody happy. Are you of the opinion that an agreement can be reached? Well, we're hopeful. Um, we certainly welcome the progress and the commitment to regional cooperation and responsibility sharing. And we know that the only way that countries are going to derive the benefits of migration and mitigate the risks of irregular migration is with a regional pact for um, cooperation. So we, we remain hopeful. Uh, Ferdinando, in Rome, do you remain hopeful that we can get to an agreement? Well, uh, I would like to be optimistic. Um, I still have to be prudent. Uh, the problem of migration is very controversial and very politically sensitive in most, if not all, European countries. So to find a right balance between the uh, solidarity and responsibility so far has proven rather difficult. Today, uh, there is a decision to be taken in the Council of Ministers of the Interior in Luxembourg on a package of measures that are meant to revise a regulation which has been at the very basis of how to deal with asylum seekers in Europe. So far, it has been very difficult to find an agreement. I hope that today there is a compromise uh, and that an agreement will be found based on the idea of more uh, solidarity among member states in the distribution, at least, of asylum seekers. Uh, Leila Boudou, uh, you're, again, a frontline agency. You're dealing at the sharp end of, of many people coming into Europe. What would you like to see? What would you like the agreement to be? Well, I mean, we, we don't want to have an agreement at all costs, and certainly not at the cost of the rights of migrants and refugees. So for us, we need to have more solidarity among the member states, but we also need to have better condition to welcome a refugee with dignity. We fear that the agreement that might come out tonight uh, will increase uh, border procedures uh, in substandard condition and will also increase detention of people, including uh, children, at the border. So for us, this is a very worrying development. 
Uh, Agoti Daniels, this could well be an agreement at all costs, and that's something that Leila Bedeau says she wants to avoid. But if there is going to be agreement, it's going to be something that isn't going to make every country happy. Germany, for example, um, is looking to increase migration. Italy, on the other hand, France are looking to try and reduce it. What does it look like? What does an agreement look like that, for you uh, that actually allows you to be able to do your work, your job? So, and what Leila said is critically important, um, upholding, protecting and fulfilling the human rights of migrants, refugees, asylum seekers is critically important. So it is therefore necessary that the agreement protects this in the way it handles irregular migration. But let's also keep in mind that human civilization has been shaped by migration. Migration is the solution for continued development in the region to address um, uh, critical labor shortages that um, countries have, and that um, even with compromises, this can only be successfully achieved and solutions derived through regional cooperation, through, um, through solidarity. And so we hope um, certainly as the UN Migration Agency, and with reference to the Global Compact for Safe, Orderly and Regular Migration, that these, not just the values and the principles, but that all components of a comprehensive um, approach to migration um, make it into the, into the agreement. Uh, in Rome, Ferdinando, what Ogochi Daniels has just shown us and told us is the more sensible uh, approach. But when it comes to immigration, particularly when it comes to domestic politics, the conversation is very rarely sensible. It's around race. It's around xenophobia. Emotions run high. Right-wing politicians use it uh, as a tool to uh, gain popularity. Is there a sensible conversation to be had in places like Rome, in the UK, in uh, France, uh, in Germany, about migration? Or does it always have to be this very emotive conversation? Uh, so far, unfortunately, emotions have prevailed. And in many occasions, not only in Italy, but in many European countries, uh, migration have been decisive and the, in determining electoral results. This is something on, on which I think we have to be aware. The paradox is the following, is that we need migrants. We need, particularly in countries of European countries, like Italy, we desperately need migrant workers because this is some of the requirements of our labor market. But at the same time, we have to organize migration in an orderly and manageable manner uh, so that uh, we don't have to face irregular migrants coming all together along our coasts. The ideal solution would be a sort of planning of migratory flows uh, in a cooperative fashion between countries of origin and countries of destination, so as to be able to fulfill the requirements of our labor markets, but in an orderly manner. This so far is not proven possible, unfortunately, but I think and I hope that at some stage we will reach that stage, because we need migration, there is no doubt, but we need regular migration, migrations that are managed in a cooperative manner.
Uh, Leila Boudou, does that kind of language scare you? We need migration in an orderly manner. We need it in a regular manner. Does that make you think of offshore processing centres, like things like the UK government, for example, floating Rwanda as a possible destination? Does that make you worried? I mean, yes, we are worried that there is a lot of focus on return and on preventing people from arriving to EU territory. So for us, we want to preserve access to asylum. We want to make sure people can lodge an asylum application, can have a fair process to identify their protection needs. And above all, we also want to have safe and regular pathway for people in need of protection and also for other types of migration, including labor migration and family reunification. Because the problem we have today is that many people are forced to take on dangerous journey through the sea, for instance, and are dying at sea every year. Only in 2023, more than 1,000 people die in the Mediterranean Sea because of the lack of safe access to Europe. So this is a big concern, of course, and a lot of lives are being lost unnecessarily. Uh, Ogochi Daniels, uh, a thousand people have died at sea, as our guest has just pointed out, but that's not changing anybody's minds. In fact, if we take the UK, for example, which isn't part of the European Union, but still part of the conversation, um, there is a hardline attitude when it comes to the boats, as they call them. This is happening in Italy uh, as well. You're fighting an uphill battle when it comes to trying to change people's minds. What's the strategy for you guys? Um, I want to go back to the word you used before, which is um, sensible. Now, it, what we have seen is that people take irregular routes, people take risks when they do not have options. Regular pathways for labor mobility provide those options. And in fact, um, IOM has continues to receive requests from many countries on how to expand regular pathways, how to um, give people options for how to migrate to reduce um, irregular movements, to reduce the risk, to reduce smuggling, and reduce trafficking. But of course, they're also very focused on returns and countries and do need a way to return people who have gone through the process and are no longer able to um, or entitled to stay in the country. But it cannot be a single linear approach. It needs to be um, comprehensive because you're not going to get to achieving the full benefits of migration. You're not going to get to win-win solutions solely focused on returns when at the same time, you need migrants um, for, the, for the economies to grow. And let's um, also recognize that for the countries of origin um, with remittances, this is the key driver for, um, for development in the countries of origin. And it's also the key drivers for economic growth in the countries of destination. So it's a sensible conversation about how we have these win-win solutions that also ensure the best outcomes for the migrants um, themselves. Uh, Ferdinando, would you agree that the current process of migrating into Europe is actually phenomenally complicated, it's very expensive, and it's actually often the people that need it the most are often just bamboozled by the amount of paperwork they need to do. 
But there's no way Europe streams line that, streamlines that process, is there? It's not easy. Um, first of all, I'd like to note that uh, there are two different legal regimes. One that, in principle, should apply to asylum seekers, people that have right to international protection. And this is an international regime which was established back at the beginning of the 50s, and uh, that the countries of European Union do respect. And totally different is the legal regime for economic migrants. I know it's not easy in many occasions to distinguish between people that have right to international protection and economic migrants. But I think that we have to keep this distinction in mind if we want to be effective in managing the phenomenon of migratory flows in a manner that is not distorting political agendas in our countries in Europe. And the second uh, step that should be uh, the twofold approach. On, on the one hand, Countries of Europe uh, should be able to better control their external borders, but at the same time, they should also be willing and capable of developing more, uh, better managed uh, flows of legal migration. As I said before, and also other people intervening in this conversation agree, that our countries in Europe, uh, we desperately need more people from outside Europe for the requirements of our labor market. The only problem is that to manage these flows in a manner that is uh, consistent with our capability of integrating those persons that come from outside Europe into our societies. Uh, Leila Bado, we are looking at now a conversation that is taking place within the European Union. Things do have to change, so this is where the conversation is currently at. If you were in this meeting and they said to you, OK, uh, we're going to put some more procedures into place, we're going to try and make it slightly easier, but we're going to limit migration significantly, legal migration, asylum seekers, would that be good enough for you or do you think that that's something that you can't compromise on? I mean, no, of course, because it's an international legal obligation to uh, grant protection to people in, in need of protection. And, and worldwide, you have more than 100 million people that uh, live possibly displaced due to war, conflict, crisis. So, I mean, we should not forget that this is an international obligation and that you cannot, you know, put a, a cap on the number of people that can arrive to, to a country. And if we look at the figures, we see that actually they are manageable, the number of arrivals to Europe. So, I mean, it's a question of political will to put in place enough uh, funding to welcome with uh, dignified reception condition people arriving instead of investing all this funding in building walls and fences. So it's a question of political choice. And one element, if I, if I were in, in today's uh, meeting with the minister that I would want to, to promote and, and see on the table is to have more relocation mechanism to allow a fairer distribution of people across the EU to avoid that everyone is stuck, for instance, in Italy with um, substandard and overcrowded uh, shelters and that people can be a bit uh, dispersed across different countries to have more um, solidarity and responsibility uh, between different states. I would also want to have uh, more family reunification rules simpler uh, administrative uh, procedure because it creates a lot of burden on people to navigate a hugely complicated system uh, which is aimed at 
preventing people from accessing their rights and protection. Uh, Agoche Daniels, we are looking at now an idea that there is an international obligation to asylum seekers in particular, but to legal migration purposes uh, for purposes as well. But people are discussing a cap. Like, uh, would that be something that you would accept if the immigration system got better? For us, uh, you know, and I keep emphasizing win-win solutions, they are not going to achieve um, the labor, uh, the, la the, the migrant labor um, uh, quantity uh, that they need to drive and support their um, economic development. So in a way, a cap is probably um, more a political um, tool rather than a migratory tool. Um, for the UN Organization on Migration, we are looking at um, how to support countries with a range of tools that enable them uh, achieve, uh, that, that they can use migration uh, to achieve their, um, their development goals, their economic growth goals, their society, society needs. Um, so that is what certainly from the from my organization what the advocacy and priority would be and the technical um, support uh, that we that we provide Ferdinando has often been said that all politics is local but right now you've got 27 member states trying to come up with a political solution uh, to this uh, uh, issue of migration we've already talked about the fact that we're not going to get to a a one-size-fits-all solution, but what's the what's the bottom line for you? What's the solution that works for everybody? Do you think? Well, uh, this is not an easy question to answer. Well, first of all, let me uh, precision, if I may. Today, what is uh, being discussed in the Council of Ministers of Interior are two specific measures that have to do with the regime for asylum seekers. And the attempt by the Commission is to find a compromise between those that would like to see more burden sharing, more distribution of asylum seekers, and those that are absolutely against any form of redistribution of asylum seekers. And the risk is that the two extreme, uh, two extreme positions might, in a sense, converge in uh, making it impossible to approve the measures, which are measures of compromise that have been proposed and are based on the idea of a cap. I know it's very complicated to define a cap. Uh, figures that are attributed to each and every country and the idea that those countries that do not want to receive asylum seekers should contribute financially by helping those that actually agree to accept asylum seekers. I don't know whether this is going to be a solution. In any case, even if there is an agreement on this compromise solution, it's only a very partial part of the problem. It only looks at the problem of how to deal with asylum seekers. It completely leaves out the other big issue of how to deal with economic migrants. And as I said, uh, this is probably the most problematic part of the attempt to define a common uh, EU migratory policies. Uh, uh, Leila, very easy, sorry. 
So let me bring in let me bring in Layla here. You've made some very interesting points there. Look, there has to be a framework for all of this. You can't have people coming in, particularly through illegal means, risking their lives to cross a border. But there needs to be a way of doing this. There isn't a motive. There isn't a problem. What regulatory framework would you think works that is both fair on people asylum-seeking, people looking for legal, legal migration, but that actually fulfills international obligations? Because what Fernando is saying is that there actually perhaps needs to be a compromise. I mean, first, there are some rules in place. Huh? It's not like if we are in uh, no man's land. So there are current asylum rules in across the EU, but that they are not being appropriately implemented. And often they disregard the rights of refugees. So this is one, one thing important to highlight. So even if there is no agreement today, still, I mean, there is a framework in place that we can better implement to the benefit of the rights of the people. Regarding a, a more a fairer um, a framework, I think for us it's important to call for more resettlement. So basically, to allow people that are being stuck in refugee camp outside of the EU for many years, uh, to be able to 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 bring to come legally to Europe and to start a new life uh, with a durable solution, uh, with integration prospects, and not to uh, to being forced to embark on uh, irregular and dangerous ways. So this is uh, the need for more resettlement. It's also a question of global solidarity with countries outside of Europe that are already welcoming a lot of refugees, because we should not forget that uh, more than 80% of the world's refugees are hosted actually in developing countries and not in Europe. Another way is to issue more uh, humanitarian visa for people in need of protection so that they can take a plane, travel safely, and then receive uh, asylum in Europe. So these are two things uh, that uh, Caritas Europe and his member is advocating for to avoid death at sea, for instance. Uh, Ferdinando, a lot of this began in 2015 when uh, Turkey uh, allowed many Syrian migrants it was holding in its territory to enter into Europe. It then shut those borders as the political will in Ankara dictated. Um, this isn't just about the European Union. This is about an international way of trying to deal with all of this. Are you confident that if we get an agreement in the EU that that can lead to an international agreement, a stronger one than we have uh, right now? Uh, I don't know whether the model of the agreement that was reached with the Turkey back in 2015 uh, would work with other countries. Um, and I'd like to uh, subscribe to the observation which was made a moment ago, that in fact, the many countries outside Europe are supporting a heavy burden in terms of uh, people that are refugees that are hosted in these countries. Uh, it's suffice to look at the situation of Syrian refugees. Most of them are relocated in Turkey, in Lebanon, in Jordan, in the neighboring countries. So when we look at Europe, we tend to have a rather Eurocentric uh, view of the problem. The problem is a, a global, a world problem. And this is absolutely correct. Now, uh, in order to be able to develop an agreement, you can like it or not, but whether you would be able to develop an agreement like the one which was concluded with Turkey with other countries, this is something which is not easy uh, because you would need a, a, a strong, maybe also the Soviet Union government, like the one which existed in Turkey at the time, 
to impose uh, such a deal. You take refugees on your country and we give you the money which is needed to support the cost of this integration. There are many other countries, I'm looking in particular at other countries along the coast of the southern Mediterranean Sea that are not in the position to offer such a guarantee because they are not sufficiently strong, they are not sufficiently well established, the government, I mean, and they are not sufficiently uh, sure to be able to Sorry, Fernando, such. sorry, we're running out of time and I want to bring Agochi Daniels in here. Agochi Daniels, after listening to everything that Fernando has said, do you still think there is, in your words, a win-win solution to all of this? Ab absolutely. And um, he did make the point about it not being a European issue and that it's global. And I just want to remind everyone that we have two global agreements, the Global Compact on Refugees and the Global Compact on Migration, that actually provide comprehensive tools to member states that work for member states and that work for the migrants and refugees themselves. So the tools are there, the evidence is there. What we need is the political commitment. I want to thank all our guests, uh, Agochi Daniels, Leila Bodo, and Ferdinando Nelly Ferrucci. This episode was produced by Damien Lay, Victoria Gatenby, Abla Clark, Paul Taylor, and the studio sound was provided by Philip Morrison. The programme was edited by Alex Otisevich, Lynn Engwin, and Joe DeFrias. Now be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in again on Friday for our next episode. This week on The Take, the Guatemalan government wants to put away a prominent journalist for 40 years. What does it mean for those who speak out against President Alejandro Yamate? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.